last night Tanisara laid out for us very beautifully and very clearly the significant teaching of the four ennobling truths sometimes they're called the four noble truths but just to underline this reflection that these are not absolutes to be grasped I've got the four truths I memorized them a couple of years ago what's next? Ennobling. There's, as she pointed out, there's an exhortation accompanying these truths. They involve a reflection and a practice which is deepening, awakening, transforming, ennobling. We could hear them ten times, a hundred times, a thousand times, ten thousand times. They're like mirrors. They help, help us reflect, help us reveal the shaping of our grasping. Help, help reveal the lucidity spaciousness and ease of our relinquishment. So yes, let's memorize them. It's helpful. But then one memorizes them, gets it into the nervous system on the brain level and then reflects on it. Let's it inform our observing, our feeling, our movement, our speech, our resting. This uh, first significant discourse of the Buddha is called turning of the wheel of Dhamma. The first turning of the wheel. When the Buddha gave this discourse, he turned the wheel three times. There's a wheel of samsara. There's an there's a endless cycle and it has momentum and we get swept into it. This, this wheel of samsara sweeps us through these floods, sweeps us following our desires, sweeps us following our aversion, sweeps us following our... and carries us away. They're called outflows because it takes us away from our true home. We think, we think we're going somewhere solid. We get swept away and we find ourselves in the raging torrents of birth and death. The flood of sensuality, flood of views, flood of becoming, flood of ignorance, this basic primordial tendency to be confused about the true nature of things. 
That's one wheel. That's one whirlpool. The turning of the wheel of the law happens in the same place. It's a paradox. But it's going the other way. Takes us home. Helps us recognize the floods, recognize the currents. The first turning of the wheel, there is dukkha. There is suffering. Its nature is oppressive. It's heavy. It's hard to bear. Just there he is. He didn't say, you suffer. He didn't start with, I don't suffer. That would have already set up a kind of tension. What do you mean? Who do you think you are? Fact, the disciples wouldn't even listen to him at first because... They had abandoned him, his five colleagues, in practice because he'd been such a tough, number one, top-of-the-line ascetic. No one could face pain like him. No one could renounce like him. No one could endure like him. And he went and got soft and (sighs) accepted, uh, to think about it even, rice pudding from a girl. <laughs> we've got to be honest about this. So, the decide it's obvious. He's sliding down the slope to debauchery. <laughs> so they abandoned him. Because they were somewhat inspired, they kept practicing, but away from him. So they went to the deer park near Benares. So when the, when the newly awakened Buddha came, they thought, oh, here he comes. Slacker. Look, we're we're not we're not going to make a special deal. He can sit down. We'll make there'll be, but don't make a special deal. He's got to realign himself with his new place. Slacker. So he comes, and they wouldn't listen to him. Twice he tried. They wouldn't listen to him. Third time, they still. And then he said, "Have I ever talked this way before?" Have I ever claimed to have discovered the truth? And he did notice he was beautiful radiance. There is suffering. That's, there's a gateway there. That we, we can relate. He didn't say, you're suffering. I'm not. That would have already set up this. There is suffering. Its nature is oppressive. It's not easy to bear. There is an origin of suffering. It doesn't just come out of nowhere. There is an origin of suffering. Its nature is seductive. This, this thirsting, this desiring that scans and finds something that twinkles, that glistens, that's pleasing, seductive. Ah! There is suffering. There is an origin of suffering. There is an ending of suffering. Its nature is inviting. It's free. It's open. 
The word the Buddha used is ehi pasiko. We chant it every morning. Ehi means come, pasiko. Come and look. Just look. There is a path to the ending of suffering. Its nature is it leads onward. Openaiko. You start, it keeps leading us home, leading us inward, leading us through all these currents and torrents of birth and death home. First turning of the wheel, there is. Very dispassionate, not judging it, not mine, not yours, there is. Dukkha, suffering. Origin, an ending, the cessation of suffering, path. Second turning of the wheel. As Tanisura mentioned last night, dukkha needs to be understood. That which is oppressive, that which is difficult to bear, that which is not easy. Traditionally, we... We run from it. Traditionally, we blame it. Traditionally, we try to cut it away and hold on to the good stuff. That's actually rooted in ignorance. The Buddha said, actually, no, it needs to be. Before making any judgments about it, turn to, open to, understood. The second turning is, there is suffering, you should understand it. It needs to be understood. The origin, that seductive origin of suffering, needs to be relinquished, needs to be let be. That which we thirstily keep imagining that by snagging it, grasping it, obtaining it, will satisfy us. That, that movement needs to be recognized in let be, abandoned, relinquished. That cessation of suffering, which is inviting, needs to be realized. For each and every person in our own heart, realize, we know it. This path that leads onward needs to be developed, needs to be cultivated. Second turning of the wheel. There is suffering, it needs to be understood. There is cause and origin, it needs to be abandoned. There's a cessation of suffering, it needs to be realized. There's the path to the ending of suffering, it needs to be developed. third turning of the wheel. There is dukkha, it has been understood. The Buddha shared that then with these disciples. It has been understood. There's freedom here. I'm free. There's an origin of suffering. It has been relinquished and abandoned. There's a cessation of suffering. It has been realized. There's the path to the ending of suffering. It has been developed. 
four truths in the three aspects, three turnings of the wheel. First, ennobling truth, that which is hard to bear, not easy to bear, that which is oppressive. This is, we don't look far. Just the experience of pain, perhaps. Being separated from the loved, united with the unloved. Separated from... Yesterday I had a peaceful state. It was beautiful. It was exquisite. (laughs) Today, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, despair, from the coarsest, the shooting pain in, in the leg, from our arthritis, from our torn ligament, from the achy body, from our cold, from the weariness, from our exhaustion, these stronger sensations to the more subtle restlessness that can't really settle. Okay, this is sort of peaceful, but what's next? From the subtle, the gross, all of that under dukkha, unsatisfactory, not quite right, Oppressive. The last thing that we chant, this is, this is uh, reflected on the morning salutation of the Triple Gem. When the Buddha is describing dukkha, he then says, in short, the five focuses of the grasping mind. When our mind focuses in grass. What are these five focuses? This is the place where we really get to understand dukkha. We really start putting into practice this first ennobling truth, these five focuses of the grasping mind. It's what's called the khandas, the agrasi. In Sanskrit, it's skanda. Pali, more... Common dialect that the Buddha spoke, it's, it's uh, khanda. These are not ultimate categories, but for the sake of investigation, for the sake of communication, they help us to reflect on the different aspects of our being. The first khanda, the first aggregate of our being is form, rupa khanda. <coughs> body made from the elements earth, water, fire and air we call this rupakanda the floor is rupakanda the walls are rupakanda the 
Trees are also made out of earth, water, fire, and air. Solidity, vibratory, air, cohesiveness, which is the water element, the radiating heating element, fire element. So solidity, cohesiveness, liquidity, vibratory air, and then the radiating fire, the transformative and radiating. So whether it's planetary systems, whether it's <coughs> leaves, whether it's external winds blowing, whether it's our body, whether it's our breath, these are all different forms. Feeling, second aggregate, is this experience of when we contact with through this form and the sensitivity of the eye, sights, sensitivity of the ear, sounds, Sensitivity of the nose, smells. Sensitivity of the tongue, tastes. Sensitivity of the body, sensations. Sensitivity of the mind, impressions, concepts, images. Each and every one of them, there's a a tendency to be pleased. That's called pleasant feeling. To be displeased. Not to really like it. Unpleasant feeling. And not really pleased or displeased. Neutral. Liking, not liking, neutrality. It's, it's a formless kind of... You can't point your finger at it. You can't really... But one can experience it, as we know. Pain, pleasure. Neither pain nor pleasure. Third aggregate, sanya. Perception. That capacity to recognize, to, to recognize, to remember... To how do we know that we're in the shrine room, the meditation hall? Because we, the eye impressions, the ear impressions, the resonance of the room, everybody's here. How do I know I'm giving a talk? If I didn't have sanya, I wouldn't know I was giving a talk. You'd suddenly just see me kind of switch off. I would think I was just meditating. Sanya. What allows us to recognize, oh, there's Kitty Sara. Oh, there's Max. Oh, there's Tanisra. Oh, the room is empty. (sighs) Now I can get some peace. Oh, big retreat. These are all perceptions so fleeting that designate They're rooted in concepts, notice. They have their root in thinking. Space, tree, good, bad, not again, pain in the back. (sighs) Luminosity, light feeling coming. (gasps) All perceptions that are tied up with feelings. Form, feeling, perception, sankhara, fourth aggregate. Volition is its essence. What allows us, and this is, we're taking a little tour of the universe, our universe, important universe to know. Been to Tokyo, been to London, 
been to South Africa. Hadn't been to the moon, but I've watched all about it. Done Asia. It's a bit tough. Um, this is a different kind of tour. This is the tour of our universe. Form, feeling, perception, and volition. What's that? Uh, what's Max doing? Notice the volition. What It points attention. I'm just checking. Oh, he's all right. He's sitting all right. Okay. Oh, he's doing Chico. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I am giving a talk. Volition marshals the attention. <sighs> Come on, kitty. So stay with it. Stay with it. Is my dog all right? <laughs> oh, God, better check. We had to find a babysitter for him. And... Okay, okay, marshalling the attention back. Notice volition. What's that? What can go to your knee? What can then decide and change and go to your feeling in your left shoulder? What can consider the future? What's the next day going to bring? When's global warming going to do something? Volition. We can focus on a point. We can also, I forget the name of it, but in our qigong, open to the sky. We can be spacious. We can have the volition to be open to all living beings, each and every single one, above and below, near and far, strong and weak. May this out-breath give a gentle blessing to them. I wonder what's for lunch. (laughs) Volition. Each volition, sankara, compounds something different. It creates something different. Get a little bored with this. Meditation is not really for me. We can look out the window. New experience has been created. It's been compounded based on that volition, based on having an eye, based on consciousness. Oh, that's bright. <sighs> a little bit too bright. Can we... Close our eyes. This tendency to create through speech, through action, through thought, these are all creations. This is also part of this universe. And the most subtle part, the fifth aggregate, vijnana. Vi means to, jnana, know. This discriminative, discriminative knowing, divisive knowing. Separative knowing. Consciousness of this. There's, there's the sight. Knowing based on the eye. Seeing. Knowing based on the ear. Hearing. Knowing based on the body. Feeling. Knowing based on the tongue. Tasting. Knowing based on the nose. Mm, lovely sandalwood incense. Mm, sewer system. When's someone going to do something about that? Pleasing. Displeasing. Liking. Not liking. Oh, I hope they burn this kind of incense a lot. 
we can attach to the focuses of the grasping mind, can attach to form, mine, and claim it, my body, can attach to feeling, my pleasure. My pain. How can I do a retreat like this? I've been waiting for eight months for this retreat. You can't meditate with back pain. Pain. My perceptions, when the mind perceives this is not going well, it's a disaster, not made any progress. Where'd that come from? Certain sensations, certain things, and then the, the mind recognized, gave an impression, a pattern, a sanya. It's actually very momentary. So quick. Look how quick perception is. Blue sky. Fairly comfortable. Notice perceptions are changing all the time. Quite a lot of people here. What is it when we take a perception? It's not going well. We impart solidity to it, truth to it, reality to it, meanness to it. Then it gets really heavy. Not only is it not going very well, then I'm a failure. So certainly not only do we have a not going well, then we have a me. It's not just any old me, it's a heavy me. Failure. Sorry for Kitty Sorrow. 30 years. What about the rest of us? Meanwhile, Kitty Saul's thinking, oh, I've got 30 years, and where have I gotten? <laughs> all of us sitting here, all of this, act, the actuality of all of these take form. My body. What, what have we been doing these first few days as we introduce ourselves, as we really take the tour, really, and meet Body, we with it. It breathes in and breathes out. It's not even a chunk. It's just sitting here. We call it my body, your body. How many bodies? We've got sixty-five or sixty-eight. Sometimes there are more. Sometimes there's less. But all of us actually are taking what's considered not the body every few seconds, bringing it into the body. And what's in the body? Oh, that's me. But then every few seconds, it's going out of the body. And thoughts that are in my mind are now going in your mind. Ooh, wait a minute. And in our interview groups and discussion, thoughts in your mind are going into my mind. Actually, this is incredibly changeable. When we notice, breathing in, breathing out, Noticing the forms of our body changing day by day with each moment by moment, each heartbeat, each breath. <clears throat> Not to mention the forms of, around us. It's the sky's out, sun is shining, drying out, and it was wet and it was windy. But the So what happens if we take a form and imagine it to be something? Dukkha, another translation, is unreliable. 
because it's nature of form, and it's the same with each and every one, the nature of feeling, the nature of perception, the nature of our volitionary impulses that create circumstance, inwardly and outwardly, the nature of our moments of divisive knowing, our moments of consciousness, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, knowing, are all becoming otherwise every moment. First, this is intellectual. In our meditation practice, we start to witness this and then begin to recognize it everywhere we look, subtly and grossly. Every form is shifting and changing. So, of course, if we take something that is becoming otherwise every instant and, as I've said before, lean on it, expect it to be a true support, a secure support, a satisfying, truly stabilizing support, like taking the sunshine. Oh, this is how one should really meditate and practice. Taking the sunshine. And when the clouds come, that sunshine's unreliable, the sunshine being able to touch us. The state of having energy comes and goes. The state of health comes and goes. The state of praise comes and goes. The in-breath comes and goes. Feeling successful comes and goes. Tonight I'll probably talk a little bit about uh, the Heart Sutra and the first uh, line is when Avalokiteshvara Kuan Yin was practicing the profound Prajnaparamita he illuminated the five skandhas and saw that they are all empty and he crossed beyond all suffering and difficulty. When Avalokiteshvara was practicing the profound prajna paramita. Prajna means wisdom, the virtue that carries us across the sea of birth and death. Wisdom is what carries us across. Without wisdom, there is no crossing the sea of birth and death. Wisdom meaning what Tanisra called vijja, seeing the nature of things. Practicing the profound prajna. The profound, it's a deep practice. It goes deep. When he was practicing, he illuminated the five skandhas, the five khandhas, these aggregates. How do we illuminate the five aggregates? This is vipassana, what's been talked about. How do we illuminate them? The light, the illumination of these aggregates is through investigating, it's through noticing. Otherwise, they're not illuminated. It's just assumptions. It's my body. Your mind. not illuminated. So then when we make that assumption, that moment of bhava, that moment of becoming, when we've taken our stand on that circumstance, on that feeling, and when that situation changes, that's suffering. That's death. That's loss. That's distress. Illuminating, then we notice in our meditation. 
So the gateway, the gateway to, to, to all these noble truths, it all comes out of a simple contemplation when we begin to notice change, really. That's why anicchata, anicca is called impermanence. Anicchata means this eternal, this lawfulness of all conditions become otherwise. Anicchata. So in our meditation, we can still steady ourselves because the steady mind helps us see things as they are. We can steady ourselves in the way that we're accustomed to, whether it's through the body, whether it's through the breath, whether it's through listening. Then we begin to notice while reflecting. We begin to illuminate the five khandhas. We have moments, of just moments, Illuminate the five khandhas and then cross beyond all surfing and difficulty. That's only one little comma between those two, but there's a, the crossing all suffering and difficulty is a bit of a step farther. It means it's one thing and an important beginning to notice change. As we're with the in-breath, we notice it's becoming otherwise all the time. And it pauses. It's not an in-breath or an out-breath. And it becomes an out-breath. This is not intellectual. We might have a momentary thought that just says, okay, breathing, that just brings the attention there. Then we can let that, then we can let that dissolve and just receive, notice, becoming otherwise, the forms, becoming otherwise, noticing the feeling in the hands, the pulsing, temperature, we can be at ease noticing change. This is a mystery. Even noticing change, the sounds, this is form. The sounds of my voice are forms, subtle forms. The sounds are becoming otherwise every moment as the vibrations of my voice resound. Even though that's changing, we can be peaceful when we allow the change to be changed. We can be at ease with sounds that come and go. If we try to capture a sound, really keep it, that's stressful. When we notice something like sound, of course, to imagine and to give a concept to a sound like it's a thing that you can keep, of course that becomes dukkha. If something's changing by nature and we don't honor that, then to grasp it is dukkha. It's not reliable as a thing because that's, that's not its nature. As our teacher used to say, Ajahn Chavari, in an earthy way, it's like getting upset at a duck for not being a chicken. Why are you quacking? Why aren't you cockle-doodle-doing? We need more of that. Waking us up in the morning, you're just going to quack, 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 quack. Give us a little cockle-doodle-doo. Someone else will say, come on, ducks are ducks, a chicken's a chicken. Or trying to make the river flow upstream. The river flows the way it flows. 
conditions are conditions. When we don't realize the impermanence, unsatisfactory, this is not a value judgment. It's only unsatisfactory if we grasp it and wish that it was different. Wanting a duck to be a chicken, wanting the river to flow a different way. So we then start to see dukkha is, is, is this misunderstanding of the, of the nature of conditions. In actuality, this, this second ennobling truth, to understand desire, when there's a desire, actually that desire creates The root of all things is this desire. It makes it seem like there's something out there that I've got to get. And this outflow of our treasures, suddenly we, we take our treasures, they're plundered because we've taken our in, treasures, put it over there somewhere where I've got to get to, where I've got to get away from. In that moment, we've created suffering. Because we're imagining that there's some form, some condition, something that I can really <coughs> steady myself on. Some position, some sensation, some experience. Letting go. Letting come and go, allowing things to come and go. We call the breath the breath, but actually it's not a thing, changing every moment. We call it daytime, we call it nighttime, we call it mine and yours and me and you. Actually, that's just ways of talking. When the heart still imagines there's something to get, its form, its pleasant feeling that we hold to, and because that shifts and changes, the nature of our being wobbles. We wobble. If you're chained to a pickup truck and it backs up, then guess what? You back up with it, whether we like it or not. Our own desire, our own attachment chains us, links us, to form, to feeling, to perception, to volition, to moments of knowing. So when they do what they have to do, when they change, we then experience birth and death, gain and loss. When we start to relinquish that, is it possible to allow change to just be what it is, appreciate that, that mysterious nature of form, just like we can let the sound of my voice change. And when we just let it be a flow of change, at the same moment there's change, there's also the stillness within this moment. There's the peacefulness of just letting it be. I encourage us in our meditation today to steady ourselves, open ourselves to noticing and feeling and inform. Just noticing change. 
And can we let go with an out-breath? Let be with an out-breath? If let go in our mind means get rid of, then just say let come. It's the allowing that's important. It's not that we want to get rid of it. We're letting come, letting go, so that things still change, but we're starting to notice the heart itself, that which is peaceful, that which is spacious. Each out-breath, letting go, letting be, like a mother with a child. The forms, as Tanisra touched on last night, when we grasp at form, we create birth and death. When we let form be what they are, it magically becomes wonderful existence. In actuality, form and emptiness are perfectly fused, non-dual. They appear to be different. Peace appears to be one thing. Forms appear to be another thing. That's the appearance. In actuality, they're fused. Like a mother and a child. Mother has a swing, child's on the swing. Let the child go in front. This is like the in-breath, that's form. Coming to the mother, just touching the child. (sighs) Letting go on the out-breath, just let go. The breath still comes and goes. (sighs) When we let go, get a feeling for being unsupported. Get a feeling for appreciating, not controlling. Just being supported by the ground of our being. Breath comes in, receiving the child, receiving the form. The sensation is going to be impermanent. It's going to flow. Thoughts will flow. Feelings will flow. Do this with the breath. Do it with sensations. Do it with steps as we walk. Do it with sights as we see. Do it with the qigong as we move. Forms come and dissolve. Get a feeling for relinquishing, demanding. Relinquishing this rejection. Get a feeling for experiencing the peacefulness of the wonderful true brightness. The peacefulness of the home ground. <laughs>